Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I am the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. Today, we're going to rewind the clock a little bit, go back to a conversation I had back in March with uh, Michael Zuber from One Rental at a Time and Jamie O'Brien. Jamie's one of our mastermind members. Both of these guys are traveling salesmen, and we're going to talk about why being a traveling salesman is the best job for a real estate investor. Key takeaways today. Uh, know your investing criteria. Uh, so <laughs> funny thing is I actually, I think I offended Michael a little bit, but what I was trying, the point I was trying to get across was he's the older, wiser one. He is now fully retired, uh, from being a traveling salesman after 15 years of investing in real estate, doing, doing both jobs. So he's written a book, one rental at a time, but we get into the difference between a rookie racehorse and a gray haired stud in the barn. I think that's where I offended Michael, but we had a good laugh about it. Uh, we also get into Michael's, one of his worst days. He, he talks about one of his worst days in his life was receiving a platinum travel rewards cards. And we'll get into that a little bit, but we also talk about thriving f- through a real estate downturn and not just living, but thriving through the 2008 crisis, which Michael has a lot of insight to do. And, and I think he's wise beyond his years to kind of see what was happening and take, take a step back. Um, something I'm hoping I learned and can see for the next downturn that we run into. So anyway, uh, without further ado, let's get into it. a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. I will say it's been one of those days. So there uh, we go. <laughs> oh man, it has been one of those days. I uh, hear you. Um, so Jamie, meet Michael. Michael, meet Jamie. Both traveling salesmen, right? Good to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Looks like you're in a hotel room. I am in a hotel room, Atlanta. <laughs> Hot Atlanta. You just picked up yeah. a new territory, right? I did. I did. So, uh, Michael, I assume you know nothing about living out of a hotel room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I can tell you one of the worst days of my life was getting a platinum Marriott reward card. (laughs) Because it's one of those those reward cards that you only get after spending 100 nights in a hotel. In a a year, right? In a uh, year. Yeah. Yeah, Do the math. Yeah. yeah, that's a third. That's a third of the the year right there gone. Yeah, been there. Uh, Michael, you're the gray horse in the barn, right? You've ran those races, <laughs> you've done it, and where Jamie is just now coming out uh, to start the races. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, interesting day. So anyway, all right. <clears throat> what I'll ask is just for make sure I'm recording. Okay, um, for a moment of silence, and then I'll do an intro, and then I'll just introduce 
Uh, Jamie, we'll go first with you, and then we'll go with with the experienced stud. And that's how I'm going to introduce you, Michael. Is the experienced stud trying to make up? For, it's so uh, much better than the gray, <laughs> gray horse in the barn. <laughs> Uh, I got to figure a way to get out of that. So uh, it's, uh, it's okay. I'll, I'll, let it, I'll, let, I'll let one slide. You get one, one for slide. Free. After that, I come out swinging. <laughs> I've been in sales a long time. I got them all. <laughs> all right. All right. So here we go. I think I got to get jazzed up. Should I just crack open another beer and that'd be the intro right here? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Works for me. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Jay Helms from W2 Capitalist. And tonight I am joined by two traveling salesmen, Jamie O'Brien and Michael Zuber. Um, And we're going to dive into some stuff that I think is going to convince you that investing in real estate, everybody's got that side job, right? And for us, it's investing in real estate. But we want to convince you tonight that being a traveling salesman is the best job for a real estate investor. Okay, so here we go. So, Jamie, we're going to start with you. You're the more inexperienced guy, and and you know, you and I don't put together. We don't hold up to what Michael's done. So, we're going to spend some time with the most experienced stud in the room. I also want to hear from you. So, Jamie, turn it over to you real quick. Give us a quick intro. Tell us um, what you specifically do for your day job. <clears throat> Excuse me. How long you've been there, and then a little bit about your real estate investing experience. Yeah, so I'm Jamie O'Brien. I'm in the Birmingham, Alabama market. Um, I do medical device sales by day. Uh, I've been to the medical sales industry for going on 10 years uh, now. Um, you know, for real estate, I decided to jump in a few years ago. We've done some rentals, uh, a couple of fix and flips, and we're testing out a turnkey market right now. Perfect. So turnkey market uh, for you, is that also in Birmingham? I know earlier before we hit the record button, you're talking about some Tuscaloosa properties, which, mm-hmm. ah, man, let's, <laughs> let's just not even get, where's the camera? There we go. Hey. <laughs> so I fell into the Tuscaloosa rental. It was my first rental. I had no idea what I was doing, but uh, luckily the numbers have worked out. It's turned into a great student rental. We rent it by room. It's a totally different uh, model than we do with any of our other rentals. Um, but it works out. The tenants find new tenants that they want to bring in each each year. And uh, so far, we've had very, very limited vacancy, and it's been really good. Um, but so let's dive what, into that for just a second. So yeah. is there, you said you rent it by room. So is each room is on separate lease, or is there one student that's responsible for the lease? And then they just have to fill the rest of the space themselves. How does that work? So we did it on one master lease the first year, and uh, there were a couple girls that started not getting along, and it became uh, a little bit of a uh, a headache. So what I've since done is I do individual leases. <clears throat> Each room has its own lease for a you know a net <clears throat> excuse me a net rental that we want to get, but it is each individual lease. However. I make them all sign a joint uh, agreement, if you will, that they're all responsible for the property as a whole. Nice. Nice. And uh, we speak of traveling salesmen, but Michael made the comment before recording that it looks like you're in a hotel room. So you are effectively traveling tonight, right? I, I am traveling. I uh, picked up a new territory at the beginning of January. I'm in, uh, in the ATL uh, nice. over in Atlanta, trying to, uh, trying to get my feet wet over here in the new territory. Yeah. 
Awesome. So Michael, let's turn it over to you. Uh, I, I made a comment earlier about you and we're going to go with the most experienced stud in the room. Um, cause my other comment, I think you took offense to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I didn't mean it by that, but just from an experience standpoint, man, I think you are at a point where we all want to be right. And for traveling salesmen, I think you got a lot of knowledge you can share with those guys to, to let them follow in your past. So tell us a little bit about your, uh, traveling experience and then also your real estate investing experience. Yeah. So right off the bat, I could tell Jamie was in the hotel room because I think I've been in that room. If you check out bed, Jamie, there's probably a business card yeah. or something that I left behind. Yeah, I'll look. I'll make sure to look. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, you know, so I've, I've been in technology sales uh, for 20 years. Uh, I owned uh, territories as small as California uh, to the last decade or so having roles that were worldwide. Uh, I ran teams. Uh, I had quotas as large as a billion dollars. Uh, so I knew what it was like to be a traveling salesman, right? Whether it was individually carrying a bag, running a small team of seven to 10 people, uh, running a country, uh, North America typically called, or, or having worldwide responsibilities. So, uh, you know, when, when you talk about a traveling salesman, I know about the platinum reward cards for 100 nights in a hotel. I know what it's like to be platinum or 1K, I should say, on three airlines, right, in, in a single year. And it's just not... Um, you know, it, it, it's a different way of life. And I knew that there was a way that I had to take advantage of being a traveling salesman because there are so many upside and so much positives. But um, there was also that drive in me to go, I do not want to do this forever. So I'm going to bust my butt and be the best at it that I can be so that I can start building a rental portfolio on the side and retire at some time. So I started building my portfolio when I was 30 and uh, I bought one rental at a time. It's my story. And, uh, you know, I rode that wave up to getting eight properties through 2008. Uh, if anybody's watching this and doesn't know what happened next, it, it was the <laughs> depression for real estate, you know, said yeah. simply. Um, you know, we were able to position ourselves successfully to survive that and not only survive, but thrive. So we did something that's called a 1031 exchange. We sold our houses at the peak of the market. And 1031, that equity, which actually was artificially gained into apartment buildings. Uh, so we went from eight to 80 units. Uh, we then had a bunch of cash flow coming in, income. Uh, sure, our balance sheet probably took a hit like everyone else's, but our income went up, right? Because the crazy thing happens when everybody's losing their homes. They need places to rent because shelter is a something everyone needs right after food and water. Right. And uh, we, we did really well. Uh, and then being a traveling salesman who's really, really good at what, it, what they do, uh, you know, you can have blowout years, right? You have a base, you have a commission, and you have accelerators. And uh, I wrote accelerator money for five years straight uh, significantly and took that cash and bought a lot more property. So we went from 80 uh, to over 130 or 40 units uh, as, as we were racing towards the bottom. Uh, so we were greedy when others were fearful. Uh, and then as the market turned, we kept buying and, and ultimately got to a point uh, at 45 uh, where I'd spent 15 years buying one rental at a time and decided that, you know what, I'm done. I'm out. And uh, I've been out for over a year. Uh, February 1st of last year uh, was when I retired. So I've been out uh, one year and six days. Uh, but uh, it's, 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 it's been fun. And I couldn't have done it without being a traveling salesman, right? There's so many positives. Just the grind, right? If you're a traveling salesman, you live on a 90-day clock, right? You have quotas that are 90 days. And some of you run on monthly clocks. And it's that discipline that allowed me to get up every morning and spend an hour looking at real estate, right? Because I had no special access. I had no no connections, no real estate agents, no, nothing in my market. I just, I just treated it like a sales job, right? I 
made phone calls, introduced myself, looked at the MLS every day for 10 years straight. And well, why? Because I'm a, because you traveled so much. I mean, don't you well, have to be at home in your comfy yeah. recliner to be able to do something like that? I mean, what, you know, what's, I'm not that old, man. There was, there was internet available. <laughs> Come on okay. now. So for, yeah. Yeah. so I may have had a wire, but you know, <laughs> maybe it wasn't wireless, <laughs> but uh, I could plug in everywhere I went. Every hotel I went had internet of some yeah. kind and I would, I would look every day. I yeah. would get up at 6 a.m. regardless of where I was because I knew I had an hour before my day started. And then once my day started, it was gone, right? So yeah. the other thing that's important being a traveling salesman is, um, you know, I, I let others do what others did. I focused on my core competencies, which was finding deals and securing capital, i.e. earning a huge income. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what I did. And, and, and I went after it and I didn't sweat the details. I let, let a property manager do their thing and, um, you know, it turned out okay. Yeah. Outsource, 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 right. As much as possible. <clears throat> so you said you started with when you were 30 years old, Jamie, is that about the same age as you started as well? Yeah, it would be right about the same age. Okay. Yep. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about some of the obstacles. And for those of you who don't know, I was, I was picking with Michael earlier before we hit the record button and I called him the gray haired horse in the barn. And it meant to be, Hey, this guy has been the stud out on the racetrack. And now he's retired and living the life that we all want to live. And, you know, anyway, it was meant to be a compliment, man. <laughs> I got it. It's all right. I'll let so, it so, so, all right. So let's think about that first deal. Jamie, you were telling us a little bit about your first deal before we were recording about um, your first real real estate opportunity were, were seven tax liens. Right. Yep. Is that right? Yep. And then, um, so tell us a little bit about that, but I want to focus on, uh, the mental obstacles of getting over, uh, getting over some mental obstacles, whatever those were and how you, you know, eventually pulled the, the, the plug, you know, to, or pull the trigger to do this because tax liens are not normally, <laughs> at least my experience have heard anything about tax liens being the first. Yeah. So yeah, that. I came, I did the same thing Michael talked about. I, I wrote a, a quarter, uh, had a, had a great bonus payout and, and I had this money sitting in the bank and I just, I, I just get impatient. So I was trying to find rentals. I was trying to find a flip. That was kind of what I was focused on. Just nothing was working. I didn't have a network to find anything off market. I hadn't really networked with a good realtor in the area yet. Uh, and none of the numbers were working. So, um, the tax tax sale was coming up in Birmingham. I went down to the courthouse, uh, and, and bought seven tax liens um, in, in areas that I knew were good areas that I, I would want to keep the house as a rental yeah. down the road. Um, so far, they've all worked out. I actually have had uh, four have redeemed that I just earned interest on my money. Um, one, I actually just rehabbed. The, the owners uh, abandoned it, and that gives yeah. me legal right to the property. So we just rehabbed it. It's up for rent right now. And then I'm still, still earning interest on two of those right now. So, so, and, um, so correct me if I'm wrong in Alabama, the owner, even though, so you pay the taxes, there's a tax lien, which basically means the owner has not, uh, paid the taxes for some period of time, right? It can yep. be one year or several years. The, the government size to put a lien on the property, you come in, you pay the tax bill. And then that owner has, and it varies per state, right? So that yep. owner has a set amount of time to come in and pay that property tax back, but this time it's with interest. And Correct. you get your money back and you get that interest, which is probably around 20 something percent. Is that right? Right. It's Alabama's 12%. 12%. So okay. 12%. Okay. They, there, there's some variance on uh, the top 
tax investors in the state on the actual amount of time. And it varies depending on if the house is vacant, if it's occupied, et cetera, et cetera. But it's at least three years usually before you can clear title. Okay. And I, I think in Florida, it's 18% and it's pretty flat. I don't, I've had one tax lien. I don't want to say I'm an expert and I, I don't know that I'll do it again. But anyway, yeah. um, it seems like you've had a lot more success in it than I have. So I, I think that's awesome. It's interesting strategy from my very first opportunity, but you made 12% on that money, mm-hmm. right? Even if you just, even if the owner redeemed it, but it sounds like you're making even better on the ones where they didn't. Right. Yep. Yep. So, so we have the one that we've rehabbed, um, getting really in the weeds, we're able to claim the value of the improvements, the preservation improvements. Luckily, this house was totally, uh, the floors were ripped out, the roof had major leaks, there's there's major water damage on the outside. So uh, pretty much everything we've done to the home has been a preservation improvement. We'll be able to uh, to claim that if, if there's ever a redemption. Nice. nice. So that means the owner has to pay you on top of the tax lien and the interest for whatever improvements that you've made to the property. Yeah. Right? The value of the improvements plus interest. Now, are you able to rent those properties out? Why? You are. You are. Okay. Yep. And you I are. imagine that's probably state by state. So if you're thinking about doing this and you want to check into that, make sure this is a conversation you want to have with your attorney, make sure that what you're planning to do actually is legal for, you know, those statutes, right? And the biggest thing that I've heard of people running across issues is is proving uh, the house was abandoned and not just vacant. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference in the law on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Michael, what about you? That very first deal, if you can remember back that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's two. We're going to have some fun now. Uh, so yeah, I absolutely remember the first house. You never, you never forget the first one. So the story sort of starts before that. Um, you know, so I live in the Silicon Valley, uh, which is a ridiculously expensive place to live. It, it, yeah. it has been for a long time. But why I bring that up is because all the books I read, right? Because we didn't have you know YouTube and you know Amazon and all that nonsense when I started. We had to go to a bookstore. And if you know what a bookstore is, it's a big warehouse with books. <laughs> Congratulations. So I went there and all the books I read said you had to buy within 30 minutes of your home. Hmm. I didn't know any better. All the experts said that. So we spent a year looking 30 minutes from home. We always thought we were one weekend away from, from finding a house. And I bring this up because you know we did 52 weeks in a row and found nothing. Hmm. Ultimately, we decided that you know we, we, we were going to do this. So we had to find a market that made sense. To keep the story short, we found Fresno, which is two and a half hours one way from where we live. Uh, it was a market where we found one house. It was the only house we saw that day. It was on Norris Drive. Uh, we bought it for 107 grand. It rented for 110. Um, and for us, you know, back then the the rule that we followed was the one percent rule, right? So, if you don't know what that is, in essence, it is if it if it's 100 grand, it has to rent for a thousand. So this one was uh, 107. It rented for 1100. So it was just slightly above that. So yeah, that was the first house. Um, it doesn't turn out well in the beginning, but it, it, it ends up pretty well. But no, I remember that first house uh, very well. Do you still have it? No. So what happened is uh, we bought it, we closed, moved some tenants in, did all the right stuff, right? Did, did the credit yeah. checks, ran, ran around, rental references, the whole bit. What you don't check for is how's the family relationship, the husband and wife. Mm-hmm. In, in my case, they uh, were struggling. Uh, relationship-wise, not financially. They were financially right. fine. Uh, but they ended, up getting, they ended up breaking up and the wife takes off two weeks into 
um, living in our place and never to be seen from or heard of again, right? She goes to Arizona or Texas or wherever. Uh, that doesn't sit well with the, with the husband. Uh, he turns to the bottle and decides to start drinking instead of paying our rent. Uh, he also decides to damage the house. Mm-hmm. So in California, it takes a while to get him out. Yeah. It took us about uh, 60 days to get him out. Uh, so a total of 90 days with no rent. Um, plus a $800 eviction fee and a $15,000 how you doing repair bill. So that was our first house, right? That was our first rental. And, and for most people that would stop them in their tracks, they would sell that house for loss, be gone, say real estate doesn't work. Fresno sucks. You know, I mean, you could just make up what happens, but you know, we, we knew that bad stuff happened. Olivia, my, my wife says, you know, we're going to keep going. So we do, we put a new tenant in the story gets much better from here. That tenant stays in the property until we sell it. We sell it in 2007 for 265 grand. And remember, we bought it for 107 in 2003. So four and four or five, four years later, we took that 150 some odd thousand dollars, rolled it into a five unit apartment building that I still own today. Right. Nice. The crazy thing is that house we sold on, sold on Norris Drive for 265, still rented for 1100. Yeah. Right. It more than doubled in price. Rent didn't move. We sold it for 265, moved our, our equity into a five unit apartment building that rented for three grand, and we bought for 220. Go nice. figure, right? Yeah. Triple the rent and $50,000 less or $40,000 yeah. less. But yeah, that, that first house led to a building that we still own today. I, I love, you know, that's funny because I 1031 exchange my very first property that we bought in Pensacola uh, just last year. We owned it for just three years. Uh, and very similar. So we went from 650 in rent to over 2100. Uh, and the price, the, the price of the house that we bought, we bought it for 30 grand, but we sold it for 50 three years later and then into a fourplex that we bought for 150. So I love 1031 exchanges. I'm hoping I'm going to have to do another one this year. Uh, I actually forgot that we have a property on the market in my realtor. <laughs> and he said, he said, Hey, uh, he was asking me for some details and I forgot completely. Um, anyway, this long story, but, uh, I'm hoping that we are able to do that again. So one thing I picked up on what both of you, uh, did, and I want to make sure we cover this cause I think it's vitally important for people who are definitely starting out as you established, you appear to have established okay, here's my criteria and I'm not going to go outside of those criteria no matter what, right? Very much stick to the numbers kind of thing. Uh, Jamie, you said you looked for, I think it was 90 days. Uh, yeah, at least. It was at least 90 days. Yeah. And, and you got very impatient and you said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this strategy. I'm going to just go do a 180 and go or whatever. Try something. Yep. try something else that I know is still going to make me money. And Michael, you did the same thing. You looked for a year right? You said for a property within 30 minutes of your house, couldn't figure that out or couldn't find anything to meet your criteria. You stuck to those criteria and said, Hey, we can get those criteria in Fresno, right? So that is hugely important is to be able to establish your criteria and stick to them. And I think you guys are awesome. Your first deals are awesome examples of that. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there who didn't, didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And again, if you think about being a traveling salesman, right, what do we do? Yeah, that's well, true. The first, the first thing we do is we try to walk in the front door. Sometimes yeah. the front door is bolted, got a guard dog, got a guy with a gun, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it, right? Basically, the answer is no. Well, guess what? Sometimes we go in the windows. Sometimes we go to the back door. 
Sometimes we, you know, we, we kick in the, you know, whatever, right? That's, that's what traveling salesmen do, right? If you're good at what you do, no is just permission to ask a different question. Yeah, uh, right. And that's how you roll, right? You <laughs> just pick yourself up and you go forward. Yeah. No is me. No. Uh, what is it? No. And salesman is they don't have enough information yet. Is, is yeah, what exactly. no means. yeah. So, um, so you guys are used to that. So Michael, you mentioned your wife, Olivia and Jamie. I, I'm sorry. I forgot your wife's name. It's fine. Blair. Yep. Blair. So Blair's on board with you investing, right? Uh-huh. Blair, Blair thinks I'm the craziest person she's ever met. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's getting on board. I'll tell you what, at the beginning, she thought I was just throwing all of our money away and we yeah. were going to go bankrupt. Um, you know, after she's starting to see, you know, cause what, $200 cash flow after expenses and reserves isn't really sexy right now, but, right. uh, we, you know, after our first flip and we, we cleared almost 30 grand and, um, she got, you know, to go on a, a little shopping spree. She, she started to become a believer. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, she's coming around. So I, the point I want to make is, is, um, spousal support in this, if you have a spouse is, is vitally important. Right. Um, and there are different ways you can get them on board. You know, obviously if you have some success flipping, uh, and, and have them, you know, um, give them a little money or, you know, ever how you share the money. I don't want to say give, cause I don't want it, that to sound, that would sound wrong. But, um, the uh, general contractor I had on for this same series, the best job, um, for real estate investor series, uh, Darren Hay, his story about how he got his wife on board was pretty amazing. Um, and if you don't know that you can check it out, but real short, he basically wholesaled a $600,000 house when he didn't have the money to buy the $600,000 house. And he walked in and, and first off, put the contract down. His wife flips out, says, what are you doing? We don't have that money. What are we going to do? And, and a few weeks later, uh, he walks in and hands her a check for, I think it was around 30 grand, 20 or 30 grand for, for flipping, uh, for wholesaling a deal. So um, there's different ways to get your spouse on board. But what I'm telling you is you're going to need that support, right, eventually to, to get them on board. So, Michael, did you have any trouble with, uh, with Olivia? And no, again, she, don't say anything that's going to get you in trouble. Okay. Oh no, no chance. <laughs> we, we've been we've been in lockstep uh, since day one. I mean, think about that story I just told you about Norris Drive, where the where we didn't see rent for for ninety days and yeah. had an eight hundred dollar eviction and a twelve thousand dollar expense. If we were not on board, I mean, if she was ninety nine percent committed, I'd have been I'd have been I'd have been toast. Right, yeah. that one percent. See, I told you this is that. I told you this and that. No, she's been on board since day one. You know, we we had dreams together. Uh, one of the things that was important to her, because uh, we never flipped, we never wholesaled, right? We never had that chunk money that y'all are talking about, um, was that our job was to retire her first. That was yeah. step one, right? All the cash flow we were building as we were going forward, goal number one never changed, uh, was for was for Olivia to be done first. And and she was done now six years ago. Um, nice. So she, and, and again, this is important because the, the thing that got us there was that we sacrificed, right? I mean, my income when I was 30 to where my income was when I was 40, it was, let's just say bigger. And I could have qualified for a lot more house and a lot more car and a lot more, a lot more stuff, right? We didn't do any of that. We, we, we lived on my base and, and, you know, for a traveling salesman, that, you know, that's 50% of your OTE, which stands for on target earnings, um, which is awesome, right? If you can live on your OTE and then all the commission and all accelerator money, which again is why we do what we do and we travel as far as we do is awesome, right? So we invested all of that. And um, she was always with me, right? We just lived a lifestyle where I can live on our base and everything else went to real estate. 
Uh, that's why the one reel at a time worked. We just kept looking and hunting and looking and hunting. And, um, you know, she, she, uh, she retired six years ago and has been wildly happy. Yeah. Yeah. I bet so. Uh, um, so let's move on to, um, you, you mentioned one rental at a time, um, which is a book. So let's take a minute and talk about that for a minute. Yeah, this is sure. where I want you to tell us about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Michael, you just released a book. It is titled one rental at a time. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No problem. So, uh, one of the things right. that yeah, that's okay. One of the things I had to do, <laughs> that's okay, man. One of the things I had to do, uh, when I left the workforce, which again has been, been 53 weeks now is I had to find something to do, uh, or else I'm such a type a person. If you haven't figured it out, I just would have got another job to get another job. Right. Uh, and I wasn't okay with that. Right. You, you sacrificed for 15 years. You want to go, you want to go, you know, do something. So, um, I've talked to a lot of people over the years that want to talk about real estate and they see what we're doing. Um, so what I did is I wanted to write a book that told all story, right? So, uh, I have it right here, right? One rental at a time. It's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. It's 15 bucks. It's cheap. But why it's important is, is more than half the book is our journey for 15 years. It talks about the ups, the downs, the have tos, the have nots, the mistakes, the things that worked because, um, you know, those are important. And I think if you can learn from somebody's mistakes, it's important. And again, it's told from a perspective of a traveling salesman, right? I had a crazy schedule. I spent hundreds of nights away in hotels and did hundreds of thousand miles in airplanes and it still worked, right? And, um, you know, then it talks about, you know, some of the 21 core beliefs I have and, you know, talks about what we've done since. Uh, but again, the, the, the book was written for one reason and one reason only. And that's because I want to create belief in busy professionals and, and, you know, we're talking about salesmen. I want to, we, we have a unique opportunity being a traveling salesman to take our future in our hands. And we don't have to be that 60 year old guy that we see at the QBRs with quarterly business reviews or getting his, his ass handed to him because he missed his numbers. Yeah. Right. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty good feeling. So if you haven't, if you haven't gotten it, I'd recommend it. Uh, it's written to create belief and more importantly, it's written to create belief in your, in the family, right? You and your significant other. Uh, whether that's your wife or your husband, right? I know a lot of traveling salesmen that are that are young ladies or, or ladies, and they kill it as well. Um, but again, that's hard, right? So you make sacrifices and choices. So again, I wrote the book to create belief, create belief for the couple. Hey, everybody, I want to take a break from the action real quick and point you over to Passive Real Estate Investor Academy. It's one of our affiliate sponsors for the show. Um, Annie Dickerson, who leads up the academy there, I've met her, I met her at a conference last year. I uh, wanted to meet her because she is actually on uh, one of our posts, uh, 12 sites every financial freedom seeker should know about. Uh, the things that they're doing at Good Ag Investments, uh, I'm just amazed by. Uh, she had a very successful W-2 career, but also, uh, I think it was last year, uh, 2018, she was able to pull her parachute cord and become a corporate dropout and focus on real estate investing full time. So, and by that, I mean her and her partner are now syndicating deals through their uh, corporation, Good Egg, Good Egg Investments. And what I'm most impressed by these, these ladies, what they're doing is they closed, I think it was around 3,500 doors last year. Um, and now they're teaching, they've launched this course, Passive Real Estate Investor Academy, uh, to teach people what it really means to become a passive real estate investor and working with syndicators, whether you work with them or not, helps you understand what a passive real estate investor is all about. So check them out. We have a specific link for you. You can find it at helmsrei.com slash P-R-E-I-A. All right, let's get back to it. 
so that you have a dream that you're working for together. That, that's why I did it. And we'll link to that book in the notes whenever I publish this. So, so it'd be easy to find, but I definitely recommend picking it up because, you know, it is a book from, a, from the, the perspective of somebody who's done that, right? It is because, you know, we, we've talked about, we've got the Facebook group, Real Estate Investing for the W-2 Employee. That group completely exists to bridge the gap between what I'm calling wage and wealth. And I know that sounds a little mm-hmm. salesy, but <clears throat> the point being is that a lot of people think, well, if you go into real, real estate investing, you've got to have a lot of money, you've got to have a lot of time, or you're going to retire really quickly, right? <laughs> and that is just not the case for most people. And in the case, other, other than days like today, uh, I love what I do, right? And I enjoy uh, the people that I work with, enjoy the customers that I, I have the ability to serve. But there comes a time of day when I think about, okay, there are certain financial targets that I want to hit for myself and my family. And there's a cap than what a W-2 job can provide for that. That is not the fault of the company I work for or the clients I serve, that is just the, the world of corporate America, right? Um, they're not going to give me more than I'm worth. And quite frankly, that's okay, right? Because I enjoy doing the real estate and it's building wealth for, for the rest of our family. So the point I want to make there is there's a lot, you know, this year I've spent a lot of time on the focus uh, or the phrase of mindset, right? Or not the phrase of mindset, but the concept of having that mindset that any Joe Schmo can invest in real estate. So if you have a coworker and Jamie, I'll throw this to, to you first, mm-hmm. uh, but I want both of you to answer it. But if you have somebody, you know, regardless of what they're in, but traveling salesman, you know, somebody you meet at a trade show or, or something that, that says, look, man, I hear you invest. How do you have the time? How do you have the money? I mean, Jamie, we were talking about, you just had twins a couple of years ago or, or a year ago. And then, you know, now you're in Atlanta, you're all over the place. How are you buying these? You know, how are you finding time to go down to the courthouse steps? Yeah. You know, and burn these properties and flipping these properties and, and that sort of thing. So help help your fellow traveling salesmen understand. How yeah, you- I think I think what we have is salesmen that that gives us a, a unique skill or maybe not a unique skill, but definitely a hone skill is the ability to communicate, the ability to network and the ability to just be able to, to talk to people. So that's really where I've been able to, to build a process that I don't have to be in Birmingham to, to find a house, to put a house on a contract. I don't even have to be there closed anymore. Um, I've got a contractor lined up. All I have to do is call them, tell them where it's at, get somebody to put a lockbox on the property. I mean, I really don't even have to touch the property other than to go look at it and then maybe keep tabs on it once or twice. Uh, throughout the rehab process if I'm rehabbing it. So uh, the the time, I think, where I spent the most time was trying to learn the game, right? And uh, once you learn the game, it's really not any different than your day-to-day sales job as a salesman. I mean, I think this is as close as I can be to, to running my own business. I think of myself as a franchisee of my company. Right. And I'm out there, uh, you know, very low wage, very high commissions if I do well. Um, produce and eat. And so that's kind of the same concept I took to real estate um, and just try and find the best process, um, learn your market, learn what you're looking for in a deal. Like you said, stick to that. And then when one checks that box, pull the trigger. Yep. Yep. Earn, invest, repeat, right? There we go. So Michael, what about you, man? What about your your fellow uh, 
Rest Rewind two years ago, right? And you ran into yeah. somebody who, who, who you know with. Maybe you've got a space in the office and you go in and they're saying, hey, man, let's, let's go to lunch. And let's talk about this real estate investing stuff. What do you yeah, so I, yeah, it doesn't even have to be a couple of years ago. I hit up almost every day, right? probably 10 okay. times a week, easy. Uh, so there's a couple of things I want to bring up. First off, to, to some of the earlier, earlier comments. Uh, first and foremost, traveling salesmen, we can absolutely earn more than we're worth, uh, which is gotcha. a good thing. Right? We, we, uh, I was grossly overpaid lots of times uh, because I did you know, 2X, 3X what the company asked me to do. And when you're on a, a levered plan, that's some good eating right there, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, it happens all the time. Uh, so first and foremost, if, if you're looking for a job with high leverage, uh, go, go get on a plan that's, you know, that, that barely, that's ramen noodle plan, right? That you can't really, you know, your base isn't all that much, <laughs> right. uh, but then go kill it as Jamie said, and uh, you'll, you'll easily be paid more than you're worth uh, as I was many years. So uh, just get that out of the way again tr for traveling salesmen and saleswomen, go, go get it. First and foremost, I think uh, being a salesman by nature has its advantages for this business because um, we're naturally team oriented, right? We don't do, at least in software, we don't do everything ourselves. We can't, right? right? We are typically, and I'll, I'll say this point blankly, hopefully nobody lights me up for this. We're not the smartest people in the room, right? <laughs> we, come with, we come with solutions and engineers or sales consultants. Yeah. Uh, we have inside salespeople that are, are just banging the phones. We have people giving our lead for marketing, right? We, we are a cog in the wheel. And as Jamie correctly says, we are a franchise owner, Right. Right. We are given a patch of dirt or a list of accounts every year. Most of the time it changes every year. So you are in that patch. You are, you are doing what Jamie's doing. You're meeting the new people in his new patch quickly as possible. You're assessing what works, who's going to be the moneymaker, and you let the other ones die yeah. um, or, 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 or just wilt or whatever you want to call that. So we're naturally team-oriented. The other thing is we are focused. Right? A, travel, a traveling salesman knows what to go after, right? We, we would rather have a quick no than a slow maybe, right? We want right. answer yes is the best answer. A quick no is only slightly worse. What we hate is maybe, right? Maybe is a long sales cycle, high cost of sale, bad stuff. So we are eager to get a yes or a no, uh, which is exactly what real estate is, right? Uh, we don't care, right? In my case, I don't care sending out a number. You know, like just the other day, there was a house listed for 130 in my backyard or the market I'm in. I offered 75 grand. I did not care when they said no. I'm like, great. Well, I know that's not a number, so let's try something else. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're kind of wired that way. And then the last thing is, is, is we're metrics oriented, right? Um, in the software game, right, we, sales are the end result, but there are so many steps and efforts ahead of that. It all starts with the top of the funnel, how many you know, leads are coming in, how you take those leads from um, cold to warm, how you take those from warm to proof. You know, there's a lot of people that run Medic, uh, which is a, a sales methodology uh, in software, which I, I uh, support. But I just took Medic, again, which is a sales philosophy to my real estate game and turned everything into a metric and managed it and, and went after it. So uh, without my sales knowledge and experience, I would not nearly have been nearly as successful as I was. So you just killed that answer. Okay. So that was incredible. Um, because I would have started out with, Hey, we're not the smartest guys in the room. We depend on the propeller heads to do that. But you went way softer. You went the solution engineer. You start calling these titles. And then you went ahead and answered. My next question was why is being a traveling salesman the best job <laughs> for a real estate investor? So that was awesome, man. I think it, if that is any, uh, insight and I haven't gotten your book yet, but I am, 
uh, any insight to what is in your book, uh, it's, it's great. It's going to be great. So, um, I definitely got to pick that up. So, um, and I think we're, we were, I think I owe you a text message about that for maybe the mastermind group too. So we'll, we'll talk about that offline. But, um, so Jamie, that's a hard mm-hmm. act to follow, man, but you got anything yeah. to add to that of, of why a traveling salesman is the best job for a real estate investor? And I think he hit it on the head. I mean, I, I really think that just all the skills that, that we accumulate through the sales process, it, it's so transferable to real estate. I mean, that's the funnel is the biggest thing that I think I really, I really love that is it's all a funnel. Um, no. I don't mind rejection. I don't mind uncomfortable conversations. I don't mind negotiation. I mean, I do it every single day. So to me, it's just another day in the office, just doing something else. Um, yeah. I'm buying a house or selling a house versus uh, a medical product. <laughs> yeah. And Michael, I love what you said about the house in your backyard. You all, it was listed for one thirty, And I think you said you offered 75 for it. Yes. And the guy mm-hmm. said, no. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, that yeah. this is my number. If it doesn't work, that's fine. I, I don't need to buy your app again, back to the strict criteria. You're sticking to them. You know what they are and you mm-hmm. know what makes it work for your investing strategy, which I think is a huge, hugely important um, thing for, for anybody to figure out whether you're a traveling salesman or an account manager, whatever, whatever your job is to understand what your investing strategy is and, and stick to it. Right. So the, the other thing I want to talk about, and I really, this is going to be me sales pitching a little bit here, but, um, Jamie and I connected through a mastermind group that I run. It's called W2 Capitalist. So I, want, I know Jamie's thoughts on being a, a member of a mastermind or, or just being around people consistently who have a like mindset. And, and what I love about our mastermind, it's virtual, right? I mean, we connect just like we're doing now through Zoom and we have a private Facebook group. We can all bounce messages off of one another and be challenged. But what are your thoughts on joining uh, a mastermind group or being part of a group like that? Uh, so being a part of a mastermind group with like-minded individuals is a short shortcut to success. It's the gasoline or the fuel, whatever you want the analogy to be. Um, you know, certainly you could try to do it all by yourself. But again, as a traveling salesperson, what does that mean to you? That means you're not going to hit your number. You're going to get fired in nine months or 12 months, and you're going to not have any fun, right? Part of this business and part of what we're doing is we're trying to have fun. We're trying to grow. And by being a part of a mastermind with like-minded individuals who you kind of qualified and you're making sure everybody adds to it, it's just acceleration. Right? Yeah. You're going to take what was probably two or three years of a learning curve and you're going to bring it down to six months, yeah. right? Um, I, I highly recommend it. You do need to qualify and you make sure you're right fit and all of that stuff. Yeah. But as far as generically speaking, joining a mastermind group, 100% fully support that idea, both when starting out uh, and and where I am. So. Uh, they are um, that gasoline because these connections and and where you want to go is is you just can't get them anywhere else. Yeah, and sometimes it's the it's the easy stuff that's staring us right there in the face that we're we're searching for that answer, but then somebody says it in just a slightly different way, and the light bulb goes off, you know, and you're just like, oh yeah, that's what I've been thinking about, or that's the the topic there. And yeah, we do have some criteria for joining our mastermind group. Um, so you can check those out at w2capitalist.com. But um, I think this has been awesome, right? I think you guys coming from your perspective, we got, 
we've got this uh, experienced stud in the house, and then we've got the young buck, you know, both starting out when they were about 30 years old uh, and going down a similar path. I, I think it's awesome. But I think, you know, if traveling salesmen um, are interested, you know, I hope they both can reach out to you. Um, if, if so, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Jamie, we'll go, Jamie. go to you first. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. You can find me at Jamie O'Brien or O'Brien Homes on both of those. Um, uh, my email address also is a good way. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E dot N dot O'Brien at gmail.com. Okay. And we'll, I'll link all that together in the, in the post that I'll make for it. And Michael, what about you, buddy? Yeah. So the best way to get a hold of me is uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, it is called surprisingly one rental at a time. Uh, I post, <laughs> shocking. I'm yeah. kind of repetitive that way. Uh, but I post daily content. Uh, I do interviews, you know, I do, um, you know, walkthroughs of properties. Uh, I'm just in a giving mood. So I put all that free content there. Uh, if you really want to, if you really want to know how I got to where I was right from 30 to 45, you got to buy the book, right? It documents in excruciating detail. It also gives you advice on, on, you know, how to get started and things to avoid. And Hey, you know that if you do that, it's going to hurt, right? Don't, don't over leverage. Right. Cause um, you know, I saw the 08 crash, right? I lived through it and I saw people that were worth $10 million or more be bankrupt in nine months. Right. So uh, right. I give you some, some insights into that and I tell you some more stories and all of that. So, and what, lastly, I am on, I am on Facebook. So Michael Zuber, it's a picture of me with a, you know, a flag behind me. So yeah. That's me. So I'll link to all that in the show notes as well. And that's pretty much it. I, but I do want to tap in. So we'll, we'll stop the recording here in a minute. Um, I want to tap into something that I didn't plan on. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Michael, and this is going to really for probably Jamie and I's perspective. So, sure. um, I bought my first rental property uh, in 2006. Okay. Okay. So you can imagine what happened there. I held on to that thing for 10 years and luckily walked away for some equity. But, sure. you know, you seem to have not only survived, but excelled through the last downturn. There are a lot mm -hmm. of experts out there that are, are, are and I'm using experts loosely, mm -hmm. that are talking about there's a downturn coming. Um, yep. I'm anticipating an economic downturn. <clears throat> I don't know what that means. I don't expect that to affect our rentals as much. Um, but what are your thoughts on yeah. what we're going to see here in the next, let's just say 12 to 24 months? Yeah. So I, you know, that's a topic I cover a bunch uh, on the videos, but I can tell you, this is what I expect. And so far I've been right. So I expect everything above the median for your market, right? So you guys know what the median price is in your market. Right. I would not fucking touch anything 2X the median, whatever that is for okay. you. Wouldn't touch. I don't care. I like, let's just say the median is 200 and somebody's offering you a million dollar house for 500 grand. I wouldn't touch it. I certainly okay. wouldn't own it. Maybe I control the paper and wholesale it, something like that. But I wouldn't commit a lick of capital to something like that because that stuff is overbuilt it's over leveraged. And um, when, when, when the next recession comes and it is coming, people move down in quality. Right. They run away from that stuff. And um, I wouldn't touch any of that with a 10 foot pole. That said, the flip side, if you're buying 75% of the median, so if your median's 100 and you're buying 75K and below, I buy that stuff all day long. In fact, okay. I'm being greedier today than I was a year ago because a year ago was a seller's market. 
Yeah. And everything was flying off the shelf. What happened to me is, or all of us really, but I'm paying attention, CNBC, Wall Street Journal, Fortune are screaming, real estate's over, real estate's collapsing, and people are leaving the market. Yeah. So I'm like, shit. I picked up three properties between January 1st and January 12th that were $50,000 under the MLS list price. That would not have happened four months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, be greedy when others are fearful. Um, stay away from what's hot. Like, so ask me today. So what was hot in 08? Houses, right? Countrywide, IndyMac, all these people were giving loans to anybody. That stuff got ridiculously expensive. I sold it, moved it to a part of the market that's covered in the book that nobody looked at. I bought a five-unit building for $40,000 less that rented for three times as much. You do the math, <laughs> right? How is that fucking logical? Yeah. Right? It, it happened, and I did it eight times. So nice. I'm living good, right? Right. But today, I am far closer to selling my apartment buildings than I am my houses. For whatever reason, the Grant Cardones and the syndication and all this fucking nonsense, I'm getting cold calls for people to buy my apartments. Yeah, cap rates are ridiculous and right now. Yeah. yeah, and in my market, they're about 10% for me going, take it. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just 1031 back to houses. I don't care. Right? Yeah. If you want to overpay for stuff I own, I'll let you. I have not heard the, um, the 2X, the medium price. You know, I haven't yeah. heard that metric before. That's very interesting. I'm going to have to dive into that a little bit because I have not, not heard that before. Yeah, that's a, that's a Zuber metric. So, but yeah. Yeah, that's a Zuber metric. I love it. That's a, and you can find those out at zubermetric.com. Right? <laughs> exactly. That's that's yeah, go ahead and create that site. <laughs> I got all kinds of them. Yeah. Jamie, what do you think is going to happen in the next 12 to 24 months? Man, I'm done speculating. I thought it was going to crash by now, honestly. I, I crash. I thought it was going to start to downturn. I mean, what we're seeing in Birmingham is definitely low inventory. Um, my, the, uh, I brought on a, a partner uh, for our rehabs whenever we find one. I haven't found one in the last few months. It seems like there's a wealth of new uh, investors, wholesalers, and, and people wanting to get in the game. Uh, it seems like inventory is low. Um, we still see a little bit of a seller's market in Birmingham, yeah. just uh, mainly because it's low inventory is at least what I'm seeing right now. So I'll be interested to see. I, I thought it, with interest rates going up, um, we may see see a correction. But I, you know, they recently said they were going to cap that. I, I believe, if I'm correct on that. And, and so, yeah, I don't know. I still I still think it's coming. I still think we're going to see a little bit of a, a turn. Um, I'm watching an area that I invest in rental properties really closely just because the, the rental to ownership ratio is getting pretty out of whack. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of keep an eye on that a little bit, yeah. but I, I do think we're going to see some sort of correction. Yeah. I, and I, I do too. I, I think, um, and I made this prediction last year, but I'm saying by December, 2019 is that it's really going to slow down uh, where prices are going to start dropping. And then, then we can really start taking advantage of some of those numbers, Mike, where you're talking about it. And, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that owner who's selling that 130 house will call you back and say, Hey, I'll take 75 for it. You know? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. The but things I, you guys got to, yeah, again, I have, I'm the gray haired guy, right? So <laughs> the, th the things you need to remember when you kind of anticipate downturns is prices go up, um, you know, sort of steadily, but they're very sticky on the way down. It doesn't really collapse until inventory like doubles, right? What we have now is inventory is sitting a little longer, at least in the markets that I watch, 
but it's not building fast enough, right? There's not net new right. sailors coming, sell, sellers coming on, but that's going to happen. Uh, on interest rates, my gut, and I'm willing to put 20 bucks on it right now if you guys want to take it, is the next move in interest rates by the Fed is lower, not higher. Think about really? that for a minute. Yeah, think about that. And, a, I'll, uh, so I'll go on record. I'll take you up on that, okay? All right, let's go. Right, 20 bucks. So 20 bucks. You yeah. think it's so going to go lower? Yeah, the, their next move is a cut, not a raise. So, uh, so if it's flat or it goes up, that means I win, right? Well, no, you only win if it goes up. It's flat, oh, flat, well, flat's a, flat's a push. Well, okay. It has to go I'll one take, way or the other I'll eventually. Yeah, uh, so I mean, it could next, be next year. When are, yeah. now, when are they, um, when are they meeting? Oh, they're, they're not going to move the next month. I, I, I'm giving you endless time, right? This could be oh. two years. If it's flat for two years, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be down. I, yeah, I don't think they're raising all year. I got you. Um, I, I think right. there's one more in them. I think, um, I think if there is, you get 20 bucks. I, 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 yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think there's one more raise yeah. between now and the end of 2019. And yeah. then, and then we're going to see not as a dramatic yeah. drop, but I think it's going to be an, ex, it's going to take a while. Yeah. What you need. So what's going to cause the next drop, you guys calling it a correction, right? So be careful yeah. with our vocabulary, right? A correction is 20% or below. That's not going to okay. happen because we don't have the forced seller. Right. That's why the 08 crap, the 08 crash was terrible, was we created an ungodly amount of forced sellers right when lending turned off. It was like the worst, like the worst of the worst. That's not happening. Lots of people have 4% interest rates. Some people have three. It's all 30 year money. They're not forced sellers. Right. So, the, you know, the only time they're forced sellers is divorce and death. Right. Maybe job loss. And yeah. it's the job loss one that you have to watch in your markets. Right. The national rates like 3.9. Just watch when it and unemployment gets to six percent again, because it will eventually. It might be two thousand and twenty-one, but it will eventually. When the business cycle snaps back, ooh, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I think the the it's. I think it's coming, but oh yeah, we'll see. Business cycles happen all the time. Is it eight years, ten years, twenty years? Don't know, but yeah. they always happen. Yeah. And with a with a president in the White House who's acting like no other president that we've had, it's all it's amazing to see what goes on. You know, I mean, it's anyway. Um, so I think the best part of this whole thing was where we just went off script. I'm just going to say that I think that was the best conversation, best part of the best segment of the whole thing. But guys, I've enjoyed this very much. Um, I'll let you know when it comes out. And uh, so just to wrap up, I'm going to finish hitting recording here in just a minute. Just to wrap up, I like to end by saying our mantra, which is earn, invest, repeat. All right, let's get to work. 